Hello, and welcome back to the Palette Plug Podcast. I am your host, Kyle. Today, we have Shally Brindley, the editor and publisher over at Palette Enterprise, Palette Profile, and Recycle Records. I think I got it this time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Recycle Records. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Palette Head. You wanted to make sure I included that. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation. We get to talk about Palette Enterprise, the journalism aspect of that, where you kind of got your background and experience from Shally, um, what you guys are doing, what you talk about on Palette Enterprise, the type of content people can find, the value that it provides to the industry, uh, the Palette profile. Um, I'll let you kind of go into that and explain what that is and how people can find value in it. And same thing goes for the recycle records. And yeah, if you uh, like palettes, you like palette journalism and information about the palette industry, Shally is the guy who's putting out some awesome content. So I'm excited to have you on, have you share, yeah. and uh, hopefully we can get you some more subscribers and more people to sign up for the palette profile. Great. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kyle. And um, yeah, I've been uh, a journalist covering this industry since, um, bef- well, a full time since 98. Okay. So, and I started reporting uh, on this industry all the way back when I was in high school and college. So, wow. Uh, but yeah, I've been around a long time. My dad started the Palette Enterprise in 1981. Um, and uh, when he told people he was going to start a Palette magazine, people looked at him like he'd lost his mind. Uh, <laughs> so, he was in academia as a PhD statistician. And uh, years okay. later, we're still around. Um, Matter of fact, we're, 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 we were been around longer than a lot of other magazines about all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, the magazine is really focused on people that manufacture recycled pallets, also lumber producers that are making pallet lumber, whether or not they're uh, resaw operations or they're sawmills. So we cover a lot of that stuff. And there's also stuff in there that's useful for brokers or whatever. Um, uh, basically, anybody who's involved with pallets, um, particularly, uh, you know, while we do have a lot of stuff on the big guys, there's stuff if you're small and you're looking to get bigger that I think would be helpful as well. Here's the best thing about the Pallet Enterprise. Wait for it. It's yeah. free. Yes, <laughs> free. All very many things in life are good and free. That this is, is true. Both things. So, yeah, um, which I think is really great. Uh, it's open to anyone in the industry to be able to get it. Um, and uh, we do have some restrictions on who we'll send a free copy to. Fair but enough. for the most part, anyone who's actively involved as either a manufacturer, recycler, or lumber producer serving the industry, that will send them a free copy if they're in the continental United States. Awesome. Uh, we well, also you... do distribution ahead, into so. Canada through the Canadian associations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have some international print subscribers and a lot of people on our online um, um, a digital publication, which we'll send that to anyone for free. It doesn't matter That's... if you're in the pallet industry or you just like to read random magazines. I don't know, whatever. It, yeah, well, uh, anybody could get that. Um, yeah, I wanted to make sure that you that you threw that in there because I knew the the physical copy versus the online copy is is. Uh, yeah, well, at the end, end of the day, what's happening is these people. It's free because advertisers are paying to be in it, and so we want to make sure that people who are getting the print copy that uh, there's a lot of hard costs involved with that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. all, all the stuff that's going through the U S postal system just makes it more expensive. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, but, uh, and then the other thing that we put out are two mark reports. Uh, mm-hmm. one is called the pallet profile and that is for people that manufacture, uh, pallets or they're in the sawmill kind of lumber, uh, side of 
for low-grade lumber for pallets. Okay. Uh, and some pallet users get it as well. Then we also have a recycled report that comes out monthly. The pallet profile comes out weekly. And the oh, recycle okay. record is that recycle report. And it's uh, for people that recycle pallets or use and buy recycled pallets. Most of our subscribers are um, actually in the industry and they're not end users, but we have some that do. Um, and so it just depends how big they are, how much information they're wanting. And so that's where we have a lot of what I would call is our real insight journalism, a little more in-depth research, a lot more of our analysis, also weekly market report that's there. And we have some, some numbers. So for example, in the pallet profile, we cover both hardwood and softwood low-grade lumber pricing. Okay. Uh, we're the only report out there that covers both. Uh, you tend to have a lot of softwood or hardwood reports. Uh, they cover a lot of grade lumber, which that's great. We need grade lumber because most people don't, you know, with the grade lumber pays for everything else. A lot of times mm -hmm. the, the pallet lumber is the, the it's the, the, the down waste of what's happened in the grade market. Gotcha. Um, so, but we put out that report and then we also have this recycle report, which covers uh, core pricing, uh, number one, number two pricing. Uh, uh, and they're, uh, it's not everything is done on a state by state, but it's almost a little more regional basis. But we break it down with a okay. lot of um, a lot of good regional breakdowns. So that's kind of what we do. Um, uh, a lot of people have found what we put out helpful. Um, and our market report specifically, we're never trying to where you open it up and you see today's prices. This is not the New York Stock Exchange where <laughs> it is, you know, just in time exactly what's going on. We're not yeah. trying to predict. Um, the pri exact pricing. We'll tell you what we think is happening in the market, but not exact pricing. It's meant to be a barometer so people can know, is this what's really happening in other parts of the, of the country? Is this what's really happening? I, my pallet you know, uh, provider or broker is telling me this, is this really real or not? Or gotcha. maybe you're a pallet supplier and you're like, the broker is telling me this is going on. Is this really going on? Yeah. So I think it, it's kind of helpful. Um, and, and right now, man, this is one of the hardest times I can remember in recent memory to really know what's going on in the market mm -hmm. because um, can, I, can I get a little bit, of, I don't know what questions you have, but I've, it's going to maybe dive into what I've seen happening in the market. Yeah. Yeah. I want, this is your, this is your opportunity to share perspective and, and uh, insight. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be helpful for people. Absolutely. So I saw on your discussion uh, group uh, on Facebook that there were mm -hmm. some people that were asking like, what happened? Like I got yeah. in this market like two or three years ago, we were minting money. Now yeah. it's hard. And, and yes, it is hard. Like <laughs> the last three years up until this year, really the pandemic created a completely artificial market. Mm -hmm. And so that has not been the historical pallet market, either on the news side or on the used side. Uh, now, it was a great time. I, I, I've been calling it the Roaring Twenties is what it was like. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, it got a lot of people really amazing. And, and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, what happened is when the pandemic first started, mm -hmm. there is this thought that the whole global economy was going to slow down. You know, right. so, bam, just stop. Yeah. And it seemed like it was going to for about a month and a half. And then next thing you know, when it's clear that the government's going to just open up the printing presses and like people's going, you know, they put out the PPP program and all the other things happened. Next yeah. thing you know, people weren't allowed to go out and eat or travel. So they were having more cash. They want to do something with it. And so as Americans, we just went out sort of buying stuff, you know, <laughs> you're, you're working from home now. You got to have extra this, you know, you may add on to your house to do this. Like 
all this other stuff happened. So yeah. next thing you know, we go from everyone worried that the sky is falling, there's going to be no demand. That's happening in probably, let's say, uh, March and April of uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, um, like demands through the roof, like yeah. all these people are wanting stuff. And a, a lot of the supply chains struggle to catch up. So people are putting in all these purchase orders. Everybody's trying to do whatever they can. Mm-hmm. The whole supply chain with Asia and everything are going crazy. And so at that time, pallet volume starts picking up. Now, at the same time, as that happens, there's already a lot of products that are still being bought and acquired. And some of the big rental companies, particularly CHEP, was struggling to be able to, particularly after this momentum starts, was mm-hmm. struggling to be able to supply customers. So those guys uh-huh. that used to be on rental, now they're in the Whitewood market looking for pallets. Interesting. I know that during the, the, the um, pandemic, pallet recyclers were telling me they had people calling on their door begging for pallets. Yeah. These are companies yeah. that previously never recognized their existence. Yeah. Did not want a Whitewood pallet. <laughs> And so what happened is all this demand floods into the market. The market's struggling to, to, to supply it. And what happens? Rates go up, not only in new, but on used. And we saw used uh, pallets go for what I call redonkulous pricing. Yeah. And that was really what happened. So the people that came in over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. really, it was not what had happened with markets traditionally. Yeah. And it went up way, way fast, particularly the recycled market. I mean, people were, were going out and bidding for cores in a way that I'd never seen this before. I was like, people were paying this much for this? Yeah. I don't even know the, the wood value is worth that. Like, so <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what happened. And so what happened okay. is quick rise, sometimes a quick fall. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happened, particularly in the recycled market. So, and at the same time, as money and liquidity is flowing into the system, along come some companies that are trying to buy up the market, that are trying to gotcha. come in and consolidate the market, particularly on the recycled side. Okay. Um, and uh, you had some of that M&A activity happening on the new side. The big mm-hmm. thing that happened was um, Universal Forest Products came in and they bought uh, Pallet One. And so that made oh, kind of this okay. huge pallet company. Gotcha. Um, um, but a lot of what they've done has been opening new facilities and bringing more capacity to existing locations that they acquired. Okay. But the recycled side saw a lot of M&A activity. So all of a sudden I'm getting called from all these guys in hedge funds wanting to know about pallets. I'm like, what in the <laughs> world has happened? Like yeah. <laughs> people have lost their mind. So, um, but now let me stop there for a second. I okay. think the pallet business is a great business. Mm-hmm. And I think for those that wanted to diversify their portfolios to having what they thought was almost a recession proof business, which it's not recession proof, but it's very strongly recession resistant. And it's certainly, there's a certain amount of pallets that have to be in the supply chain just to keep people fed and, you know, happy and basic things of life to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's good. So I do think that as companies were looking to diversify their, their portfolio holdings, pallets made some sense, I think still makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, and the right things. And um, so that's part of what happened in this whole industry. Um, as that happened, the lumber situation happened as well. So what happened is all of a sudden lumber pricing shots up as all of a sudden sawmills were struggling with capacity. And I mean, all these facilities were shut down because of COVID. You have one guy gets COVID and you got a whole ship that's shut down. 
That's and so that was happening all over the place. And so lumber pricing hit historic price, uh, prices. So as lumber prices go, a lot of times so do pallet prices. And the other thing that happened during this time is labor rates shot way, way up. That's mm. one of the things that has not come back down to earth. Yeah. Core prices have come back down. Um, uh, lumber prices have come back down. Nail prices have come back down, but not to what they were pre-pandemic. Okay. And labor prices have not really come down much, if mm. at all. As a matter of fact, for a lot of guys, the, they would tell you, I'm paying as much as I've ever paid. I'm just not going out looking for as many people right now. I'm trying okay. to keep my people busy. Yeah. So that's kind of what I saw what happened. And now we're in the place where everything is coming back down. Uh, the new side has not had to give away pricing the way that the recycled side has. Yeah. Um, because there's just so much extra cores out there in the market. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Some of the guys on your group, they're like, ah, should I still stay in this? Should I get out? Should I, should I go sell insurance? Like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. If you were just in this for quick money and quick turning, you don't want to be part of the long-term industry. Okay, fine. Yeah. I still think pallets are very important for the supply chain. Mm -hmm. You can't really move things effectively without pallets. Um, and I can even argue that now that the consolidation is kind of slowed down, and that pallets are a lot cheaper than they used to be, mm -hmm. that now is actually a good time for somebody that doesn't have as big of pockets to be in it. Interesting. Particularly if you're smart and what you buy, what you pay for it, and how big you get and who you supply. Yeah. So um, that's that's a critical thing. So I still think the pallet industry is a good industry to be in. I think those couple years were kind of unrealistic. And during that time, some equity money came in and um, – it, you know, at the end of the day with those things, they're trying to do a specific thing and they still have their plan and they're still working and all that for your average listener, though, that they're, they're not in private equity. Right. They're a pallet scavenger or they're someone that started a small business on the side. Yeah. And those guys, um, they've just got to decide if they want to be in this or not. Yeah. Um, one thing I would just point out to you is that some of those guys, there may be some guys that didn't sell out when this whole sell out thing happened for the last couple of years, whole mm -hmm. M&A private equity thing happened, but they may not have an heir. So if they were to go find somebody, work as a pallet sales guy for yeah. some local guy that's doing all the manufacturing, doing all the recycling, they get a good sales gig and maybe they're going to come in and a lot of these guys, they don't have an heir, they might sell to them over yeah. a period of time. Yeah. So then they don't have to go about investing in all the CapEx of all the you know equipment, all the other stuff. It's already there. So I, I think it all depends on who they are and what they want to do. Um, so anyway, just as my quick volley into what I think about what happened in the market, <laughs> is it still a good thing to be in? Um, yeah. If you're expecting to print money, um, that, that, that season is over for this yeah. part of the, the, the cycle. It'll probably come back at some point. Um, I, who knows what else will happen? Yeah. Um, but I do think that for companies that want to um, know what's happened in the market, that's a big part of what we do. We try to help people know what we see are happening. Like yeah. we were pretty early in calling what we're seeing happening with CHEP and how we thought that was going to impact the recycle market. Mm -hmm. uh, we've covered a lot of what we see going on in the lumber side. Um, you know, somebody who's going and just buying, selling pallets out there, they may not realize how much what's happening in lumber is going to impact what they're eventually going to be able to get for that pallet. So that's one of the reasons to, to buy our market board as well. Um, and one of the great things is, if, you know, people subscribe, we won't give them a lot of free consulting, 
but uh, they call in and they give us some market data. We give them some market data back. Um, we, we always, when someone gives us proprietary market data, we never go, this guy's paying for this, but we'll go, <laughs> Hey, within your region, uh, mm -hmm. these are some of the price ranges we're seeing within a two or three state region. Okay. You know, gotcha. That kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, people have known us for years. We first published our first Mark report back in 1977. So that's wow. how long we've okay. been around this industry. First started with a Mark report, not with a magazine. Oh, really? And, okay. Um, anyway, so, so go ahead. No, if, if you got a question from that, I'll uh, yeah, you... I was gonna say what what. So you guys were originally just putting out information. What, was it Pallet Profile? And then Pallet Profile it used to be called the Wooden Pallet Index. Okay. Uh, we had an index that basically was based off when we first started, and it tracked pallet pricing. Um, we changed to the pallet profile when we got away from having a set index. So we will tell you what we think going on because an index is tied to a specific time period. And that's okay. where you see like it goes up and down. You don't see the whole thing. Okay. Um, so but that's what we did. My dad's background, uh, Dr. Ed Brilley is my dad. He's the one that started the business. He was a, a PhD statistician. My uncle at the time operated uh, Potomac Supply, which at that point was one of the largest pallet companies in the East Coast. Oh, I think. Cool. I mean, I was young when this all was going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he approached my dad and said, the industry needs a mark report, you know, and so you're wow. a good guy to do it. Uh, I know you're an honorable guy. I know you'll do a good job with it. And so he was one of the first planted the idea. My dad worked full time as a university professor and starting the business. That's how it all started. Wow. Um, I went to journalism school because uh, I knew I wanted to do business journalism Went to Mizzou's journalism school, uh, worked in PR for Fleischman Hillard, which is one of the largest PR firms in the world. Um, so that's one of the things we do with helping advertisers really craft their mess messaging for pallets. Um, gotcha. So that's another plug I want to make is just that if someone's <laughs> yeah. looking to market to the pallet audience, I think we're a good place to do that. Um, so, yeah. And at the end of the day, um, what we're trying to do now is continue to be an independent resource. We're not tied to a specific organization or specific company or group, mm -hmm. uh, but we're out there trying to gather data, trying to do market intelligence, trying to provide information on equipment and on uh, running businesses. I have a lot of HR and labor stuff in, in our you know, publication. I try to sit down and think like if I'm a pallet company executive, what do I need to know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what a year from now, what I wish that I had known, what's going to keep me up at night. So I'm sitting down looking at that. I know a lot of guys. I'll talk to a lot of guys on the phone regularly, um, you know, have a conversation about what's going on, those kind of things. That's kind of where it, you know, where, what we do, anything that's small business oriented, a family business oriented, it's going to fit our industry. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, what's going on with lumber. Now, most of our real, a lot of us very specific lumber information is mainly in the mark reports because okay. we want people to pay for that. Um, yeah, and there's enough. a lot of effort that goes into gathering that data and that information. Uh, so, but. yeah. And so like it, it started out, which is cool that your uncle was the one who would ask that of your father and your father would then develop that. And then where did the idea for pallet enterprise come from and, and the more journalism side and informational side of equipment and things come from? Well, there was already, I think, I don't know if there's already a magazine out there or not. This is part of the story. I don't remember. I know there was also a competing magazine at one point. Um, and then, but my dad got the idea to do it. I'm not remember quite how, but he's like, I think we can do something new. 
Um, we launched the Recycle Record, and then we also launched Timberline, which is a sawmill and logging publication that we have. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So, all of them. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what where it all happened. I mean, um, you know, my dad just saw an opportunity to, to do that. Um, for a while, we were six months and then eight months, and then I think we went to 12 times a year. Uh, we I, When I came on, we launched all the digital products and all those kind of things. Okay. So and I had had the idea of a, of a podcast actually about two years ago. Yeah. I just haven't had time to do one yet. So um, <laughs> That's fair. I um, mean, hey, I, you know, <laughs> this is the, the learning experience for both of us. You know, like yeah. you, you teach me just as much as I, I, I can teach you. So more than happy to help out. Well, and for Pallet guys, um, you know, part of what I'm trying to do is help people run better companies, develop mm-hmm. better people, produce better products. So I'm trying to think along those lines. Yes, we've got stuff that we do that, that plugs our advertisers, um, you know, and but these are all good companies, too. Like at the end of the day, I think the pallet industry has some amazing suppliers. Uh, many of these people are, are friends and I think they do great jobs. Um, so it, that's not a hard sell for me. Um, you know, we always try to be careful. I don't want to anything to be printed that, that I think is inaccurate or that that's not it's just marketing. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. we also try to help people tell better stories and that kind of stuff. We will have some negative stuff in there from time to time. Um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll talk about, you know, how to build to survive or do well in a down economy or, or those kinds of things. Um, you know, an article we're just working on right now is what to do with financing in a, in a situation where the financing situation has changed. So that's okay. one we're working on. Um, and sometimes we'll do, we'll come back and we'll hit certain topics over and over again. We'll try to do a different focus on it. Um, and one of the great things is I've been in a lot of plants, visit a lot of folks. They know we're trustworthy that if I tell them I'm not going to print something, I won't do it. Um, there's a lot of things I've seen that I've never told a soul about uh, <laughs> because I want people to still return my phone calls. Yeah. I, you know, so, That's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is a fascinating industry. So, you know, a lot of people, you probably get this. Do you get this? You do Where? a podcast about pallets? Oh, all yeah. I mean, people literally, it, it, when it comes to pallets in general, you know, it's like even even my website trying to explain that to somebody, they're just like, why are you doing that? Like, what's the point? And it's like to help people, to provide like a place where pallet businesses can be found more easily online. You know, like that's the whole intention is just finding your little niche within a large industry to try and help people, I think is is really the goal and so yeah it, it's one of those things where people just think like a pallet is either is either the pallet with the product on it already you know like how that's a pallet of whatever it is yeah or they're just like oh yeah the thing that like people make like wood walls out of or something like that i'm like that uh, no <laughs> that's the recycled wood like cool yeah it's good that people do that but that is not what like the pallet has a purpose behind it being for wall a, decorations for a period of time uh churches had this in thing where they had to have the wood background really? I, don't, I don't know if you've heard about that or not no, no so i had a good friend of mine who was a pastor of church he goes you're the pallet guy he's like yeah i need reclaimed wood for <laughs> like, it has to be reclaimed for our church background <laughs> so i helped connect him with a pallet guy i've known that, that got him wood in the virginia area so it's just nice. like you know I, yeah pallets are, are you know Pallets, uh, not only the NFPCA has this saying, this pallets move the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think pallets produce better uh, supply chains. Pallets produce, particularly wood pallets, produce uh, sustainable green supply chains. 
Um, COVID has shown how important pallets are to the total environment. I mean, yeah. pallets were one of the industries that the White House said was critical that had to stay open. Interesting. Uh, I think someone in the White House at least was smart enough to know that without pallets, things don't move. Yeah. They certainly don't move efficiently. Yeah. And um, so those are some of the things that this is a good industry. Uh, there's a lot of amazing people in it. Um, um, I, I think if you can make a buck in the, now, maybe not the last two or three years, that that's, <laughs> that's the roaring twenties, right? Yeah. And hopefully yeah. we're not going to the great depression. I, I need to be careful to make that comparison because <laughs> I don't think we are. If you ask most pallet guys, they would tell you their sales is down significantly, but that's also from historic highs. Yeah. Um, now we're starting to see their costs come down in lumber and in core acquisition costs. Not seeing okay. that in labor. And that's where I think one thing pallet users need to understand, just because lumber and core costs are coming down, that doesn't probably mean that a lot of your suppliers can sell you that pallet at what they did pre, pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of other costs that are still high. Like one of the costs that's still super high is insurance. A lot of pallet guys are hmm. struggling to just get insurance. That's a good and point. And so like that's a high that's still there. And labor has not come down. So those are high things to consider. Now, the dominant cost in a pallet is the material. It is it is the lumber. So that's going to provide some ability to have price concessions. And you're seeing that happening. Uh, the recycled prices in many cases are, particularly for cores, are back down to where they were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, finished good costs may not be there. Some, some places they are. It really depends. People will ask me, what's a pallet worth? And I'll be like, what do you want to pay for? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because yeah. at the end of the day, <laughs> if you're sitting on huge amounts of volume and your your yard's becoming a fire hazard, you just want to move inventory, right? Mm-hmm. And you may take a little bit of a haircut on that to get that out. It's all about cash flow management. Yeah. So um, anyway, I forgot where I was. I went off on <laughs> one of my rants. No, it's okay. Well, and I think one of the things I, I was curious about is with with the – the pricing and everything and more so like on your perspective, like, do you feel that the way that it's going back down is like, you're saying that this is how it should be, you know, or like where it's supposed to be. Like, why, why do you feel that the cost rose and dropped so drastically? And now we're like back to where we should be. Like if, if, what do you think about that? I think it was an artificial market. Nothing Mm -hmm. that happened during the pandemic was a typical cycle. Right. Gotcha. So you're talking about global supply chains. You're talking about slowing down the economies globally. Like it was not a real situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that, you know, pallet users would love to hear, oh, pallet prices are always supposed to go down. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> what I'm saying is what happened during the pandemic was an artificial environment. Okay. And so now we're returning to more a sane environment that is as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I still think pallet users need to realize that if if they force the pallet supplier to give them all these price concessions, the pallet supplier is going to make that up some way. A lot of times it's made up by not giving as high quality pallet or mm-hmm. as good a service or something like that. So, you know, you have to factor that in. What do you really want? If you save a couple bucks on a pallet, but your product shrink goes up 35 percent. You haven't saved any money in your supply chain at all. So, yeah. And what most people don't realize is that, see, everyone's here recently been talking about greening the supply chain. 
Mm-hmm. ESG, we're we're gonna save the world. Yes, I believe we should save the world one pound at a time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what they're also doing is they're saying that in one way, and then what they're doing is when they go out to buy their pallet, they're like, I didn't care if it makes it. Well, I wanted to kind of make the trip. I just yeah. wanted to be cheap, you know? Right. Right. And and my experience is the best green pallet is one that's gonna you do multiple trips that can be recycled that. Uh, generally is made out of wood because everything's got a life cycle cost. And if you look at the EPDs and things that are done, wood a lot of times comes out on top. I'm not saying plastic doesn't have its place. I believe mm-hmm. it does, particularly in captive environments and high automated facilities and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. or in places where you're going to have those closed loops, you're not going to lose those pallets. Um, and then the big thing is an amount of reuse, right? Um, yeah. But it's a misnomer that a plastic pallet will last forever. A kamikaze forklift driver can do just as much damage to a plastic <laughs> pallet as he can a wood pallet, right? Yeah, that's so a good what, point. You, you want to have better you want to have better supply chain management with your pallets. Train your forklift drivers not to drive <laughs> around like they're Mario and Dreddy. That might be helpful. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah. No, I hear your point too, right? Because I think that it's like you you sometimes hear wood and plastic in the same conversation, but a yeah. lot of times it's it's either one or the other. But I think that you brought up a lot of good points where it's like the more that you can control where that pallet goes and where it ends up and then where it comes back to, like that's obviously going to be the best situation for it because if they are going to recycle their plastic pallets too, like it's just all helpful. But then with wood, to your point, like even if somebody does damage that pallet, that can still be much more easily recycled than a, than a plastic one does. So it's, it's yeah. better suited for an outer out, like being shipped outside of that closed environment, like you're saying. Yeah. No, and I think that's that's a good point. It's things that I don't necessarily think about on a daily basis. So I appreciate you bringing up the the, the thought. And so getting back to your original question, mm-hmm. why are things going as they should be? You're starting to see markets respond normally the way you would expect. Mm-hmm. Extra supply, prices start to come down. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a point, though, what I'm trying to say, that where the customer starts to beat up the supplier too much, and then something's going to give. Okay. So... You, you you can't we all want to eat candy and <laughs> not gain weight and <laughs> like all of us hope that we could eat steak and filet mignon yeah and it would turn it into once we've eaten it it all becomes lettuce right yeah. right like, like <laughs> or just gain that, muscle that's not, you know? diets. that's not a reality when it comes to palates you yeah. can't pay for a poor quality palate have it be a truly sustainable, good palette for multiple trips in the supply chain, protect your product. Like, I, I don't know if we talked about this or not, but what many people don't realize is that in most unit loads, which the unit load is the palette, the packaging, any type of stabilizers like stretch wrap or whatever, and then okay. also the materials handling environment forklifts, all that stuff comes together for the unit load environment. And the unit load is basically the the packaging and all the stuff that's on the pallet, right? Okay. So if you have a systematic view of it, and um, Dr. Mark White, who used to be at Virginia Tech, he's a professor mm-hmm. emeritus there, he's forgotten more about pallet design than most people ever know. And he would tell you that sometimes you can save a lot more money in the total unit load by actually increasing the quality of the pallet. So hmm. you spend a little bit more on the pallet, but you have better product protection. You have more trips that that's going to be greener, um, more ESG points, sustainability, and all that. You're going to mm-hmm. have a better asset to sell the, the back end, 
And um, it's just smarter all around, less liability uh, of people getting hurt, all the rest of that stuff. So safety factors improved. All that stuff is in there if you just spec a better pallet. You can also take cost out of the packaging. So you may not have to spend as much on, you know, pails or plastic packaging or dunnage or whatever else is happening, right? Interesting. And yeah. so that's something that people need to realize. What happens is you have competing interest in these companies. You've got the purchasing agent who, how he or she is motivated is with one thing. Then you have the people that are the sustainability officers over here. Then you have the packaging engineer over here. Then you have the person that's running the supply chain over here. You have the executives that are all, so like all yeah. these different things are going on just to yeah. specify what palette to use, right? <laughs> and here's a deal. A lot of times, dirty little secret in the palette industry, okay? Yeah. Many times these specs that people have had are really old. Mm. They just keep on putting the same spec out there. And there's great design tools out there, uh, you know, best load, um, best palette, uh, PDS, other kind of things that can help yeah. you really purpose design that palette. Um, and many times the palette design that they have on their spec isn't what they've been getting because over the years that spec is degraded. Uh, and what happens is to make that price match, they've had to take wood out of the palette. And what gotcha. will happen is a lot of times wood pallet vendors will come in and they'll be like, well, let me audit your, 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 your current float. When they're doing that, what they're looking at to see is the spec that's on the print, what they're actually getting in reality. Many times it's not. Gotcha. So, uh, but they know to be competitive on the price, they've got to actually, they've got to supply to the reality of the spec, not to the spec on the sheet of paper. Right. So sometimes it's time to rethink all of that. You think about it in a systematic way and you can save more money, have a greener supply chain, uh, all the rest of that. Now you might actually spend more on the pallet, but that's where you have to have the purchasing agent not be the one that's driving the whole conversation. Gotcha. And many times he or she is. That And that, that's a really good point because I was even thinking like, well, does that mean that it starts at the pallet manufacturer? You know, like, does that mean that they need to be the ones putting in better quality and, and making sure that their people are happy to make sure that the product that they're putting out is good or that their quality control is, is better. But then to your point, you're saying that you need to kind of have everybody within the end user side have better communication and also be better aware of like what it is that they're one needing, but then two getting, because sometimes those two things are very different from each other as well. And it's not that the pallet supplier is trying to be tricky or trying to cheat anybody. Right. It's that the company didn't really know what their needs were. It didn't have the right spec to begin with. Mm -hmm. And because normally if they're going to use PDS or they're going to use, you know, best, best pallet, best loading, those kind of things. Yeah. It does an analysis of the load factor and all the rest of those things. They're going to make sure that the pallet will carry the load. Um, that, that's part of why they're doing that analysis, right? Okay. So at the end of the day, though, those guys – well, a lot of times a PDS analysis was done years ago or best load, uh, best pallet analysis was done and uh, things have changed in the supply chain. So particularly uh, if you've pulled packaging out of the supply chain, you may need to spec a better pallet to be able to cover that. A lot of these companies have tried to go to greener packaging with less plastic, particularly in the packaging. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't spec your pallet right, you all you've done is, yes, you may luck out for a period of time, but you may also create an injury hazard because the unit load isn't stable. And I'm nowhere near hmm. an expert on this. You talk to anybody that's using these design programs, they're very good at it. 
And that's why a pallet isn't always just a pallet. Isn't always just a pallet. Yeah. Um, you really got to spec what you need. And, um, but right now is a good time to really go back and look at your spec. What do you need? How can we really produce a more sustainable supply chain by um, having better packaging decisions? And I think design is a critical aspect of that. I also think standardization is a critical aspect of that. We haven't talked about this, but. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, right now, if you ask a guy, I've seen this on your board. Oh, people yeah. will go, oh, hey, oh. I'm selling A's. Yeah. And someone goes, that's not an A. <laughs> yeah. you know, right? This is, and so, because yeah. everyone's got a different definition of it. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the, the gray area has been. And a lot of guys have made a lot of money on that. A lot of guys have also, um, you know, that that's how people have been able to have lower pricing because, you know, everyone's kind of plays around the definitions. Mm -hmm. Once again, no one's cheating. It's because everyone's demanding lower prices. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's going to be a give and take. You, you can't you can't eat only candy and not lose weight. Right. It just <laughs> does not work. Yeah. So. If you want lower prices, something has to give, and yeah. that's that's where, where that is. Um, so, um, but pallet guys, um, you know, there's a lot of things that they can do to really, you know, improve the pallet. And one of the things I don't know if I think we've talked about this yet, just a better nail can have a huge impact on the mm -hmm. pallet design and on the pallet performance, uh, because most pallets fail at the connection points. So that's something to be aware of when you're talking about design. Um, but Kind of what I was saying earlier, I think the industry needs some established standards on yeah, yeah. what these different things mean, particularly on the recycled side. I really see with automation coming that there's going to be a need for a graded pallet. Mm -hmm. And now I don't think most pallets are going to be really graded. Like we may have some established definitions for what a number one is or what a number two or A or B's are, right. club grade, that kind of thing. But I think even more so, there may need to be a established police standard, almost like what you see with the EPAL pallet in Europe or the EUR pallet. It's probably not going to be a block pallet. It might be if it's in the fast-moving consumer goods supply chain, but it may not. Hmm. You know, some people go, "We already have that. We have CHAP and PACO and those things." But they're not yeah. industry cooperative pools. They're they're private pools. I think there could be a real need for an industry cooperative pool that has a set standard that is policed. And maybe only five percent of the pallets meet this spec. Uh, there used to be an NFPCA used to have a program called Spec. They used okay. to meet the spec standard or whatever you want to call it. But I think it's coming with automation. Mm -hmm. People do not want to spend millions on this automation and have the pallet be what holds everything up. Yeah. So that needs to happen, but it's not just an NPCA conversation. It's not just a pallet entry conversation. Even it's a end user conversation. It's a chip. It's the trucking companies. It's all these different people coming together. Here's what's needed. And the automation particularly that's going to play into it. And um, I think, some of these pallets are going to need to be held to a monitored standard that there's inspectors, there's probably inspection equipment, all the rest of that. That sounds, I, I'm curious to see like how, how that would be one come about because it's like, you're saying you have to have all of these different people and parties come together to discuss like what is needed, what's necessary. And then on top of it, it's the actual like enforcement side of it. It's like, how are they going to, do that you know is it at the end user once the pallet gets delivered that somebody would be looking at it or before it leaves a pallet facility there's a 
pallet police officer like checking every every single well, pallet that goes out what's the door. probably like, going to be i don't know and it's I'm not as hard as you see think how something there are like already that would, inspectors that one are going out inspecting and then two treatment, be actually right? put into place like do you and um, do you off so the top of those your inspectors head, like, for do you heat know treatment, anything like what that they're or doing is kind of like is this they're uh, they're going and they're they're comparing to see does these volumes compare with oh, what's in the records yeah, and all that you? kind of stuff? These same kind of things are likely going to happen with, um, um, could happen with quality control standards, right? So the inspection agencies are kind of already out there. They just need to add something else that they would inspect. Now you have to have a set standard that, that's agreed upon. There've already been people who've been working on those standards. And actually, Kyle, one of the things you need to be aware of is that this already exists in Europe, right? I think you probably know what EPAL and EUR are as far as pallet standards. Um, and those exist and they are there and they're, um, you know, out there. Um, oh, I think I may have just lost you. Uh, I'm going to keep on going though because um, I was on a point. Um, so what, what happened is, is you have um, – uh, you already got these standards out there in Europe. So it's been proven to be able to be done in Europe. And now, and it was even done in North America, it's done in Canada. And what happened was, is um, they, they pretty much um, had this Canadian Pallet Council standard in Europe, I mean, in, in Canada. It went on in the grocery industry for, for a long time. And why it fell apart was quality control. Why it fell apart was that some companies weren't living up to their obligations. I think with scanning and inspection equipment where it's at, that's m much easier to monitor today and to really have the cops there, make keep everyone honest. And so that's why I think it's something that could be really important, something that could really happen, and uh, something that you know probably is needed for um, for our industry. Um, whether or not it comes about, I don't know. There's a lot of different people have to come together to agree, but I could definitely see a reason for it. So yeah. And I do think I have lost you somehow. Um, I know one of the things you told me you wanted to ask about was um, just like what I see happening in the future with the industry. And do I think it's a bright future. I, I do think it's a bright Sorry future. Sorry about that. Oh, you're back. I went yeah. ahead and just kept on knowing you were uh, going to come see, back. See, my, my internet shut off. I'm sorry about that. Oh, hopefully the recording will still happen. I was I was doing both sides, man. I was, you know. I think Oh, it does say that it's still recording, so uh, oh, I'm going to assume that it is. What were you talking about? I apologize for that. So I was talking about <laughs> I was talking about quality control standards, how we needed it. You asked. There's a lot of things involved with that, so I talked about yeah. that. Okay. And that uh, there already had been a uh, established quality standard in North America. It was in Canada called the Canadian okay. Power Council. It's now defunct. Because basically there weren't <laughs> enough cops to kind of make it all work out. Oh, but now so with inspection technology, I think that could really that could be easily done. Um, and there's enough money being spent on these automated facilities that they need a high quality pallet to make that work. And okay. one of the other things we had talked about was where do I see things going, and do I believe this is a good industry to be in? Yeah, yeah, that was I was curious if I may. I don't mean to to cut you off. I think that. Because um, you had mentioned the group and people within the group and, and perspectives that they kind of share and talk about. And I think that the, a lot of the people who are newer to it, who, like you said, kind of came in during that period of you could make a lot of money. Well, that you make a lot of money. But I, I think that there's a, a bit of misunderstanding as far as like what 
what actually is the pallet industry, even to some of the newer people. You know, I think some of them are like, I go somewhere and I pick pallets up for free and I go and I sell them and I make money and, and this is great. And now they can't do that. So they're like, what am I doing anymore? But then there's people who are actually trying to start their own recycling business and, and are repairing and recycling within maybe their own house or their own property and then where they have their own facility. So yeah, I think I, I would love to hear your perspective on that and kind of knowing that, knowing what I kind of have seen and what I've, I've witnessed within the community, I guess we'll call it conversation wise. So yeah, go ahead, I mean, go ahead. I mean, I think there's still a lot of opportunity in the pallet industry. Um, I also think the easy money has stopped for a while, right? Mm -hmm. It may come back. Things are going to ebb and flow. I mean, the pallet market is hard. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, people will always joke around and, and we talked about this earlier that, you know, podcast, how can you do a podcast? You know, people <laughs> will always ask me, how can you write a magazine about pallets? I'm like, I had a friend ask me one time and I go, well, you're in IT. It's just ones and zeros. Yours is, <laughs> yeah. yours is usually mine. At least I have different materials, wood and metal. You're just ones and zeros. It's like, yeah. it's much more complex than that. I was like, so is pallets. So, yeah. I mean, um, so if someone's just looking for a quick money flip, maybe there's something else that's going to be better out there. Yeah. You're looking for an industry that's needed, that has a positive impact on the environment, positive impact on logistics. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still opportunity. I could argue that with what's happened in consolidation, and now it's, it's not shut down completely, mm -hmm. but that whole train where there's all this effort into it, that stopped for a while. Yeah. And so now you don't need as much money to go out and get, get cores or to get, uh, pallets. I mean, in mm -hmm. some cases, there used to be a point in time, Kyle, where people paid you to take their pallets. And there is still sometimes that, but yeah, go ahead. And now we're getting back to a point that the market's getting flooded enough that that might occur again. Yeah. For, yeah. for decades, people would pay. And then finally, cores got hard to get. So then people started paying for it. And then next thing you know, the market changed. And so I think there's opportunities to make money. You just have to be smart about it and can't just do it the same way you always did it. Like mm -hmm. I think I said earlier, you could go and you could um, like uh, go work for somebody as a pallet sales guy. Yeah. You could go work for a pallet user, helping them manage their pallet program. That's a good point. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, have been in the industry for a long time. They know a bunch of people that have got a good Rolodex. They, they understand the industry. They could go help a big company manage their pallet, kind of be like an in-house broker or something. I mean, hmm. so there's a bunch of ways to do this. Yeah. Um, you just got to know what you want to do. Like yeah. I know there's a bunch of people who got in this over the last several years where they were seeing that they could easily get pallets. Pallets were selling for King's Ransom. Yep. You know, there was yeah. even courses on the internet about uh, how yes. to get the pallet industry. I interviewed <laughs> yeah. one of the main guys doing that. It was fascinating. Yeah. If you had ever told me that you would have a course people would pay a couple grand for to learn how to be in the pallet industry, yeah. I would have told you you lost your mind. <laughs> well, and then you would have, like, I mean, probably would have taken your course over somebody else's, honestly, looking back. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think actually the guy I interviewed actually had some really good insights. Okay. Uh, and he did, I think he did a good job with his people. So, but at the same point, um, I also knew that was only going to last for a while. Mm -hmm. I knew that was only going to be that way when the market was in this artificial bubble. And now gotcha. that it's entered back into a more stable situation. Um, but that's also just because it's, you know, the the pendulum swung so 
the, the market favors more the buyer right now. The buyer mm -hmm. also needs to be careful uh, because there's a lot of people out there that are looking to just sell flip volume. Yes. They may not provide you good quality pallets. Absolutely. At the end of the day, and I say this a lot, you need to make sure that you're buying what you need and you need to make sure you're buying for a reputable person who's going to not just give you the lowest price, but the, the unit load that's actually going to fit your, fit your needs, meet your mechanization, not lead to product loss, product damage, insurance claims, all the rest of that. It's just a hassle. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, a business model that ends up with lots of broken pallets and stuff that sold on Amazon for, you know, pallet loads of stuff that didn't make it. Or like, yeah. that's not a business model. It's certainly not sustainable <laughs> or ESG or anything like that. So, uh, yeah. So I want to encourage people that if you wanted the easy free lunch, yeah. <laughs> probably not, not for you right now. Yeah. The time but, has passed. <laughs> um, but if you want to be involved with a business that is important, yeah. that does have staying power. There's a reason why these investing community got into it. They were looking for all these different things that they could be in that would kind of hedge their bets. This was a decent industry to do that. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't want to present a horrible picture. I believe we're going to go no. through a, a season of rough time and then coming out the other end, those that come out will be stronger and better. So yeah. I, I had that attitude, but the, a lot of the people who entered in over the last couple of years, they had an unrealistic expectation mm -hmm. and they just need to go find the latest, you know, um, I don't know, Online. pet rock or whatever it is that they can sell <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and just jump into that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, if, if I may, I think that you, you bring up a good point and I really appreciate you uh, talking on that because I think that like within the group, uh, specifically you see a, a lot of that and it seems like there's all of these negative opinions and people saying don't do it and i'm losing money or this and that and a lot of businesses that have started within the past couple of years are shutting down but i think that it, it's like you're saying like you're you're that that's not what the industry has been and is it was a kind of false reality and and if it worked out for you for that period that's great but talk to somebody who's been in it for a while and they're just kind of like, yep, this is, this is, I mean, sure. It was great. And that time period was awesome, but like, this is how the industry can kind of go, you know, and they're not that surprised by it. They knew that this was going to happen. And so I think it's better to have conversations with people like that. And like yourself, where you can have a little bit more grounded reality based conversation. And it's not somebody who's just like, yeah, I made a bunch of money and I'm just trying to make a bunch of money. It's like, no, this is like a, a business, you know, it's not just a, something that you can make cash off of. It's not just flipping things. It's like, if you care about this and you want it to be something that you pursue, either stick to what you're doing or like you're, you said, find somebody else or find another place within the industry. Like, I think what you had said about becoming a salesman for a pallet business is great because I know I've talked to a lot of people who have wanted to become brokers. And I always say, rather than just trying to become a broker on your own, go and work for a local pallet company. Go and ask them and see if they would need your help or they want your help and try and sell for them first. Because that way you're going to at least start to build a relationship. You're going to be around pallets. You're going to be uh, able to talk to somebody who has information that like you might not know. And so I always thought that that was a good place for people to start if that if they wanted to become a, a broker 
but even if they wanted to become their own pallet business, I think that like go and work for a pallet yard for a little bit and repair pallets or make pallets just so you can have that experience and get into it. But then what you were saying too, on the, the inventory management side for like a, a, a purchaser, the end user, I think that's a great idea too. Cause it's like, you can have a really positive impact on that business and still be within the pallet industry. So I think that you had a lot of good insight to, to provide for people. And I appreciate you um, having that. Cause I, I think that it's like, I can only offer so much and people that are having a negative experience might not even think to offer another perspective to somebody who, who is like, I'm interested in getting into the pallet business. They're just like, no, don't do it. <laughs> but you're like, you can still do it. Just find, find a different place, you know, within it, find your niche, find what your need is. There might be somebody where they can make their whole business just off of the, the cleanup aspect of pallets, you know, and, and then they could resell the lumber for something else, or they could build things out of the lumber and sell the thing that they're building. You know, like there's many different opportunities. It's just a matter of how creative you're going to be. There, there's some guys I know that what they do is they got a portable grinder they go around mm. to pallet yards. It's particularly going to be important for guys that are not going to have a good waste stream coming up because you're already starting to see some of these guys are going to have to grind a bunch of, pal- of bad B-grade pallets to get not only to get those pallets out of the supply chain and have mm-hmm. better quality pallets in the supply chain, but they may not have an ability to do colored mulch, right? And so somebody could go around and, yeah, they got to go out and get a, you know, a portable uh, you know, grinding machine. Those were not cheap. But mm. that could be something where in a, a, a business that that would be something that could be done for people that have done that. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to go about, you know, being in the pallet industry. I also think um, and I'm a little bit biased because, you know, obviously work with our products. But the Pallet <laughs> Enterprise website, PalletEnterprise.com is like Google for the pallet industry. So yeah. you know, Google just goes out and searches all these places. But we have more data. We have more information there about pallets than any other site in the world Mm. so if you want to go do search and we're actually at work getting ready to work on some updates with some of this with our website um, it's a great place to go and search equipment or trends or whatever Um, and that's a great thing so you know obviously get the publication but go do some research there if you're looking to buy a piece of equipment, go do research there, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And it's free. I don't charge to get access to, to that database. <laughs> yeah. Um, so once again, one of my favorite words, my wife would tell you, I love free and, uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's free. So um, and uh, yeah. And then the other thing, if you really want to know what's going on in the market and understand how the markets connect, I think our market reports are, are a good value. Um, and then not only involved with the market reports, but people subscribe, uh, we won't give them hours of free consulting or anything but people who subscribe and they want to give us a little data we love to have conversations just like you i love to talk pallets love to talk lumber there's other people on my team that are better talking lumber and core pricing than me Um, i'm a journalist okay when i went to journalism (laughs) school they had a stats class my father who was a stats professor laughed about this but they had a stats class just for journalists because the average journalist can't pass a normal stat class in college so, which is funny because those people who are reporting on all the numbers generally don't understand numbers. And that's why I've got other people who work for us that are better with stats and numbers. My brother's much better at that. I got to give him kudos. He does a lot of our market calling and he's much better at that than I am. So, 
Well, and it's like they say, if you're not good at something, then find somebody who is, you know, if you're not good at something, just hire somebody well, I, who's My dad's done that for years, so, and <laughs> yeah. I have to really give my dad kudos. He he came in, really saw a need. Um, I can't go to a meeting without people asking me, how's your dad doing? Which, by the way, everybody's doing great. He says <laughs> hi to the industry. Uh, he's semi-retired, but still involved doing some market calling for us and nice. that kind of stuff, and so... Um, he got to be widely known in the industry, and uh, it's been great. The, the Paladin industry has given a good life, tally to us, but the people that work for us, and we try to help them really, you know, get the information they need, produce the products, try to help the advertisers really have a venue to get out the, their 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 message and for people to find them and that kind of stuff. Um, so, but I really want to encourage people if they're looking for market data to visit uh, palletprofile.com uh, and if they're in the recycled side, recycle record. We are in the process of updating those websites so they may look them and go, hey, the websites look a little old. Yeah, we're working on that. Um, so, uh, But with a small staff, uh, we only have so much we can do at once. Um, I hear you. But uh, we definitely, for us, um, you know, looking at the pallet sector, I do believe that we're in a transition period. You're going to see some major things happen over the next couple of years. Um, and I'm not saying this is um, a good or a bad time to be in the industry. I think we're in a time of some transition. Uh, one of the transitions is um, if you're a young person, um, just go and look at how many old people are in like the association meetings and stuff like that. We need some young, fresh blood. I know yeah. a lot of people would love to hire someone with multilingual skills or all this other kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I look around and I'm 48 and sometimes I'm one of, one of the young guys in the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's saying something, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, this is an industry where we need some good young talent. So uh, I think, uh, matter of fact, if you're, if you're like, maybe you were on the side and you're like, Hey, I'd love to do sales and I really want to get plugged in somewhere. Mm -hmm. Send me an email. I think uh, we're going to have my email on there. I'm yeah. sure I can plug you in with some guys who would be willing to hire you. Awesome. So like, you know, even though a lot of guys are trimming their staff, one thing I don't know if they're trimming is their sales staff because these guys are still having to go out and try to sell stuff. Now some yeah. of the brokers have trimmed some sales staff because the reality is as as the, the market volumes have, have gone down and as the, the price premiums have gone down, mm -hmm. the, the brokerage opportunities have gone down. Right? Yeah, the margins are now, much smaller. Those who are out there are like, it's almost like an auction, right? They're trying to get stuff turned <laughs> as fast as they can yeah. versus, you know, doing it the other way. So not saying that you can't make money still as a broker. It's just harder right now. Yeah. Uh, there's not as much fat on the hog, so to speak. That makes sense. No, and I've, I've heard that as well. And I think that a lot of brokers I've spoken to have kind of more so tried to hone in on, on certain things, whether it's custom pallets or maybe they just specifically go after certain industries or something like that. So, yeah, I think that it's 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 all around like it's 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 affecting everyone and it's affected multiple different um, parts of the industry. But again, it's like you've said, like there's still opportunities out there. It's just a matter of kind of defining who you are and what you want to do within the industry and like sticking to it and doing it for the right reason. Don't just focus on the, the dollar amount. Like I always like to say, which I, I heard it somewhere, but it was like, don't focus on the money you will make, but the impact that you will have and the money will come. And that's something that I always now, try to 
you also can't give things away for free. You That's to, true. Well, unless you're me, then I give. We'll <laughs> yeah, give yeah, yeah, the king of free. <laughs> and I have to thank our advertisers. They're the ones that have supported us for years, that allow the, the enterprise to go out there and be the resource that it is. Yeah. Um, and so they are hugely important. Matter of fact, another big plug I would say, um, if you read the map, Paladin Enterprise regularly, please call our advertisers. Uh, please tell them how important what we do is for you. Uh, a lot of people do that, but some people don't think about it. But they're like people will say, well, what can I do for you? Tell them you saw it in the Enterprise. Um, even if you didn't see it in the Enterprise, tell them you saw it in the Enterprise. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, but, but no, I think it, it's important. And, and we've tried very hard. We've been in a lot of facilities all over the world trying to cover what we see happening, mm -hmm. um, trying to cover technology, legislation, uh, business practices, you name it. Um, you know, this next issue, we've got an article we're going to be running in there, working on um, some stuff on what we see happening with economic forecasts, all those kind of things. So it's great to read. Um, and now some guys don't really want to know about the pallet industry. They just want to flip pallets. To be yeah. honest, I think those people are going to struggle uh, because yes. all they're trying to do is buy and sell. If you're yes. a hustler, you'll probably still make money. But understanding the industry, understanding all the aspects of it, it's getting ready to get more complex. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of guys that are starting to have customers ask them, hey, what's your environmental footprint? If you don't know what an environmental footprint is, you probably need to learn, right? <laughs> so it's like things like that. And these guys yeah. still want a cheap pallet price, but yeah. now they want to know all this other stuff too. Yeah. Um, so anyway. But you should do your research and you should become well familiar with that. Like one of, one of the individuals who used to help me with the podcast, Corey, like he – is um you know he does well for himself but he has always made it a point every year to kind of like get his environmental impact and check that information just in case somebody wants to ask him like he wants to have it on hand and it's also a, a like something that he takes pride in too where it's like look at how much i've been able to help and the the amount i've been able to recycle so there's value in it and whether it's yeah. for you or whether it's for a potential customer like there is still value in it the last thing I want to do, speaking of that, the yeah. most recent issue is hot <laughs> off the press. We have an article in here on greener pallet design. I interviewed Dr. Mark White, talk about some of the different stuff that's in there. Excellent. Also talk about what Chep and Brambles is doing as far as their pallet deal. You might go, why do I want to know what Chep's doing? If you're in the Whitewood market, they're one of your biggest competitors. You want to know mm -hmm. what they're doing, right? Yeah. So we've got that kind of stuff in there. So we talk about those issues. We also talk about nuts and bolts issues, like we're just getting ready to work on a nail guide. We always have a nailing equipment guides, you know, at least once a year. We nice. have a lot of different stuff in there on plant features, those kinds of things. So if you're somebody that's like, I want to go from being a broker to an actual pallet company manager and have some equipment and stuff like that, it's a great place to go and look for that information. And I appreciate your time. Yeah, um, absolutely. And a pallet head is just somebody that spends time thinking about pallets. That's me. Sounds like that's you. Yes, um, if anybody else is out much. there like that, come follow what we're doing with Pallet Enterprise or Pallet Profile Recycle Record. Uh, any way we can help you, I think um, Kyle's going to put out there my email address. Yes. I love to chat all with the different links. people. Um, I can't give you hours of free consulting. We do offer some <laughs> consulting services too, but um, but we can certainly help where possible. So Excellent. I appreciate your time. Any last question you got for me, Kyle? No, I think that's it. I think you plugged all of the places that people can find you and find information and, and um, yeah, just kind of continue to support you guys and what you're doing. So I'll be sure to include all the links in the descriptions for everything. I'll get your email in there as well so people can reach out to you directly. 
And yeah, I'm extremely grateful. I think this is a good, a good conversation. Hopefully people found uh, value in what we were talking about. And obviously, if you have any questions, write them in the comments. I love to respond to people. And I can always pass up to Shally if I don't have an answer to it either. So um, yeah, if, if you're listening in, thank you very much. I always appreciate it. If you're not already subscribed, feel free to do that. It's always helpful. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Anything else, Shally? That's it. Excellent. Thank you very much. Change the world. Sell pallets. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. Take care.